Hello, everyone. Welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. While philosophy is an important part of both life's big and small questions, in many cases, the latter are influenced by the former. And when it comes to big questions, there are few bigger than those concerning spirituality and religion. Today we'll look at both and attempt to parse apart their differences, hopefully providing insight into the roles they play in our lives. All right, so um, this episode sort of springs from... Um, an assignment I had for school, and I can't go into specific results of that assignment. It was part of the, you know, the rules of, of conducting it. But, you know, in very broad general strokes, I had to perform a study um, that looked at human spirituality, right? And uh, I, it was a great experience. It was the first time in my life where I, I realized that I I have the intellectual toolbox now to conduct research and do things at at a high level. Um, But it provided a lot of interesting insights, and you and I had a lot of um, sort of satellite discussions about it, and we thought, you know, this would be a good... this would be a good podcast episode. And yes. even today, you I mean, we I think we just talked for over an hour about it before the show even started. <laughs> Warming up. <laughs> so let's start with just, just the basic question. What does it mean to be spiritual? We will we'll we'll say as we often do, we'll do the disclaimer. I I don't get to sit here and make the ultimate definition of it. None of us, you're not trying to, I'm not trying to. So to me, I go with this a standard definition as a start. The quality of being concerned with a human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. So if you're talking about spirit, which we can't really describe adequately, although poetry does it wonderfully, we, we intuit. We can't use our five senses in any profoundly specific or empirical way mm. to talk about these things. So we have to uh, uh, not abandon that, but acknowledge that up front. And so uh, to me, I guess partly when we talk about anything spiritual, uh, we are, I'm talking about that which shifts the conversation to the, the, Arcane, the the um, unseeable, unknowable, <laughs> and which doesn't mean we stop the conversation. It means we, we go with the conversation, but shifting to the things that aren't material, or or talking about how things that are material step us up into. And, and and there's a metaphor, and I just want to toss it out and then go. But I is listen. But we say step up. When I said step up, the, the vertical metaphor is almost always present because we privilege somehow that spiritual thing. That's the interesting sort of irony of it, right? Is that we, we say that when we're talking about spiritual or uh, about the spirit of the soul that we're, we're going beyond the, the five senses. But at the same time, it almost seems as if the spirit or the soul is what we consider as the thing that unites the five senses. It's, what's, it's what stops us from just being these um, creatures that are, you know, in, engaging in things. What separates us from the animals in, in some regard, yeah. right? There's something else going on that is is in uniting all of this, which in unity is the conversation we had last week. Exactly it's so. taking these individual parts and it's creating something cohesive out of them. So at one point it's we're going beyond this this physical realm, but at the other point it almost seems as if it's uniting the physical realm for our perceptions in some regard. So Interesting. That's yeah. Okay. It's a it, it's an interesting topic. Like like you said, we're going to be um we're going to be out in left field on this one a little bit because um you know the spirit and the soul is something that is outside of the the realm of strictly empirical science. Right. It is, and and and, and philosophers readily acknowledge this uh, uh, when they talk about religion or 
spirituality. And you know, part of what we've talked about is, I think at one point we we're saying religiosity versus spirituality. And so, you know, and, and religiosity would be a kind of talking about the the uh, embrace of structures that we think are formally intended in an ideological way to take us toward matters of spirituality. But but there are, are many who say, well, I don't need all the structures of religiosity to do that. There are other ways to get there. Are there other ways you think religion is juxtaposed to spirituality here? What, what should we say about religion? Well, again, this is one person speaking who has about the broadest spectrum of, of people in his life, my life, who run the range from uh, complete and beautiful atheism to absolutely committed Catholicism. And, and the, the, the marvelous thing about experiencing all of these people and you and I run along that, 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 that spectrum is to hear what they think or feel. Because often it has to be feel. We can think about religion, of course. We can think about it from a, from a viewpoint of, of structure. I think, as A.C. Grayling does, that religion has had a more profoundly negative than positive effect in the world. That's, that's where I, I am. I, I, to look at it in uh, material world circumstances, uh, the, the uh, depredations that have been done in the name of all kinds of religiosity uh, are profound in themselves. So I'm not bashing anyone who's listening saying, well, if you are, uh, have a religious inclination or if you have a faith, then I, then I think less of you. And it, it, that no, doesn't matter what I think anyway. But for me, uh, looking at the world, reading of the world, walking in the world, the, um, the effects are profoundly damaging. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting part of it um, is that I think anybody who's listened to us for a while, you know, it's just sort of human nature to sort of, um, you know, associate, you know, try to have some insight into personal beliefs and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm guessing, uh, based off of our previous discussions, a lot of people would think, okay, well, this episode is going to be doing a lot of sort of bashing of, of religion or spirituality. Um, we're not going to do that. No, uh, and I, no. we were talking about it before the show, and we've talked about it previously. Um, there's no way, really, of disproving God or... Um, you know, these, these spiritual or religious notions, um, like we just said, they're outside of the realm of science. So we can't prove them. We can't disprove them. Um, all we can do is question um, what the reasonableness is, what the utility is, what, what sort of things are happening. So we're approaching this discussion from that viewpoint. Okay, if we look at it, you know, re regardless of what what we believe, um, if we ask some of these basic questions, what answers do we get back based off of the evidence that there is, whether it be right. anecdotal or theoretical? That's or a philosophical. That's the philosophical approach. The philosophy when, when you're when you're talking about religion or spirituality, uh, you're, you're trying to find ways to assess the. the the, the likelihood of the belief or the falsehood of it or, the, or the, the truth within the belief, but assessing it through philosophical terms, not proving, just assessing what it leads to or what it might mean. Right. Yeah, I think that I've used the example in the past, right? If, if we sat here, right, and I said, um, for instance, 
that the Christian worldview is is bunk, right? And I could point out all kinds of evidence, right, for an old earth or for this or that or the other thing. But the fact remains that if there is a God, he very well could have planted dinosaur fossils. He very well could have um, taken the starlight that's billions of light years away and somehow stretched it to arrive at us, you know, in 6,000 years. If there is a God who's omniscient and omnipotent in these things, he could theoretically do these things. Um, and I could be very, very wrong in that assumption, right? Um, but the likelihood or the logic behind all of these things are going in. So well, the implication of the why would one do that? Right. Yeah. So again, I just, just as a preface, before we get too far into the discussion, just want to let everybody know, like you said, we're not bashing anybody who has religious beliefs because it would be very um, ignorant of us to do so because at, at the core, we are ignorant of religious and spiritual things. We are just postulating, right? right. We're, we're asking questions. We're, we're probing. Um, but don't expect us to, to give you any hard answers on, on what, where these things are, where they're going. Um, do you think you can be religious without a conception of God? I think you can be spiritual without a conception of God. I think the very nature of religion is a structure of rules, regulations, behaviors, approaches to getting closer to God or, or a set of gods, but something definably uh, pantheistic or monotheistic, whereas spirituality is not focused on necessarily a larger being of some kind. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. I think that the probably the, the linchpin in that conversation would be Buddhism, right? Because a lot of these, that's it's one of the major quote-unquote religions that doesn't really have a, a god per se. And um, lots of people debate back and forth whether it's a religion or a philosophy. Mm-hmm. We'd probably be on the side of it being a philosophy because there isn't a there isn't a god in, associated with it. So it's more spiritual in nature than religious. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you studied religion. So there, there, you think that having a deity is really um, an integral part of having a religion. I, well, I haven't found... Okay. In, in my limited experience, I haven't encountered a religion that is practiced in authentic ways that doesn't have that at its core. Um, this is why we separate re- religions from the, the um, twisted variant called cults. Because you can have a cult of personality hmm. with a human being who's raised to a demagogic or demagogic status. Um, but a religion... Now, you know, and in indigenous cultures across the planet have uh, primarily, uh, I think probably universally, spiritual cultures. Uh, and and, of, uh, and in our own history, we know to be very utterly simplistic. Uh, the Christian religion, uh, proponents of the Christian religion, representatives of various sects of the Christian religion, uh, did all they could possibly do to uh, subsume, crack, destroy, negate native indigenous religious systems, or and and trying therefore to to break the spirituality, which you really cannot do, and it, it wasn't uniformly successful at all. <laughs> that we we know that. Uh, but it was one of those acts that a formal religion enacted upon other religions. So, yeah, I guess the next natural question would be what 
what constitutes a religion, mm-hmm. right? So let's say, I, I think, I remember you telling me one time um, when you were younger, you went to a church, right? Yes. Where um, you were singing hymns about about evolution and these sorts of things, yes. right? So this church that you were going to, there, there, there was no god i'm assuming right oh well no, actually there is oh there is okay. oh yeah 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 this this is the the unitarian church and and the unitarian church uh, th- this was a unitarian uh, uh, one church in the unitarian religion uh but uh, unitarians uh th- th- it's a religious denomination god is only one person god is not a triumvirate okay Okay, but but within that, they they don't. Uh, there's there's no idea of original sin. Uh, there's no eternal punishment for sins committed on the earth, and so it's much more of a here, present, now focus of God and relationship with God. And why wouldn't evolution be a relationship with God? Because evolution is... So whatever you, you've... Essentially, whatever you find through human knowledge, which is in in those terms, the brain that God gave you, <laughs> right? Um, then that must be worthy of... Gotcha. Okay. God. All right. That's good information. It ruined my thought experiment, but good. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we'll go <Sorry>. back. <laughs> we'll go back then. So uh, let me pose this to you. Let's say there is an institution, right? They have a building. Um, they have a structure um, mm-hmm. for collecting um, money to support the institution. They have, um, you know, regimented um sort of doctrine or theology about what it means to live a good life to do these things people mm-hmm. gather they they do all this stuff but there is no deity is that a religion formalistically yes and one could um, make the case that that has been done many times to bilk people out of money by people who didn't believe in what they were uh, putting up as the focus of their religion. Hmm. Anyway, um, there's, a, there's a, a marvelous line in a in a, in a movie called Bull Durham. Bull Durham is a baseball movie. Uh, Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon. Uh, he's a he's an older ball player from the the, the Bush leagues, so, and. And but she's a constant fan. But what she talks about is the religion of baseball. Mm. That why it is a religion for some people, or or the, you could transfer that to religion of football. Is it some some people talk about the religion of of shopping, where you you go through? I mean, think about it. You go into a a, a building that has. A commonly recognized shape, <clears throat> a commonly recognized iconic symbol. You walk through the doors. You are welcomed. Uh, you are hoping to find that thing which is going to make you feel better or make the day work better. You you give something of yourself to do that, something of your resources to do that. You get something in return, and for a moment, the day is better. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and that's even talked about in. Um, more formal organized religions. You know, they talk about having the god of money, right? And mm-hmm. how you shouldn't mm-hmm. you shouldn't do that sort of thing. We talked about the economy as yeah, that yeah. kind of thing, right? So, I guess we're still trying to um, come to a, an agreement on what a religion is. We said that we said that a god is needed, um, but then if we remove God and put the structures in place, it's still sort of, it looks like a, a religion. Still, that would be, what would, would be, that would be a, that would be a, a faux religion, a pseudo religion, a, a cult. It has the mechanism or the practice, but nothing at the center. Hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, usually almost no, universally religion is talked about in terms of the worship of the structured of the behaviors and an institutionalization of patterns, laws, rules, and approaches to worship something superhuman. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, is there another, is there another term? We know that a, a, a cult, I think a cult might, well, let's, what defines that? Do you think that revolves around a human being 
holding the place of God, or is it is could we define it as um, a different concept, like we were just talking about the God of money? Right? Would that be a cult, or is there a different term that we haven't brought into the conversation cult, yet? A system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Okay, we so- have the cult of Donald Trump. We that, that's talked about frequently. It, in political terms, it's political religion. The, the things that aren't supposed to go together, but they do. Any obsessive focus on uh, a, a veneration of an individual as opposed to... Uh, now, this is modern in current terms. There was the cult of Demeter in, in Greece, which was fascinating. It's the worship of Demeter by all means possible through a very structured set of practices. But it's called a cult because it focused on that one figure. Hmm. And and there wasn't a monotheistic god in the Greek pantheon. It's a pantheon, right? So there there are those who uh, speak of, of some practices by some uh, Catholic sects, uh, you know, Catholic Catholicism is a sect, but then we can break it down to smaller. That uh, if they worship a, worship a saint, then and not in in derogatory terms, that that would become a cult. So a, a cult is a system of veneration, a relatively small group of people behaving with religious practice. We we use it in the negative sense of connotation of obsessive of the the, the cult of, of whatever particular terrorist or 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 the misreading of the postulations the, the rules regulations of of a religion get twisted obsessified that's not a word i just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 thus shaped into something that perhaps wasn't originally intended. Yeah. So that's fascinating, right? What separates a religion from a cult is the object of worship. And in religion, we're assuming that it's a supernatural God. And in a cult, it's focused on either a naturalistic person or a a conception or an idea that is not... everything else. Yeah, that is not... This supernatural God, then that right. that's that it looks like based off of sort of the thought scenarios that we played out in the descriptions that we read, it seems like that might be the only the only difference. Yeah, it it, it is, and and this this negative connotation that's applied to it. I know I don't know if we're straying off from the topic or not. How can we not? The the, <laughs> neg- the negative connotations are often applied specifically for social manipulation. Because you use the word cult, and you ask anybody just on the street, and and that negative association is there. Unless it's a a cult focused on something that people really... Fanatic is often associated with the idea of cult. And to be fanatic is to be obsessively... I suppose people could say I'm a fanatic about Marvel, but no, Marvel's not a cult. <laughs> I enjoy yeah. the stories. I'm a I'm not a fan in the sense that I don't believe. You know, it's this isn't what's a, a ritualistic thing. Let's say, well, it is. It is. Well, see, you a new movie it, comes out and you go to it. And you, okay, that's where it gets interesting, right? Is yeah. Because like you like you were just mentioning, I'm. Uh, it's there's this overwhelming negative connotation with it, and I think that. That probably stems from um, unhealthy behaviors that develop from people who do get to a certain level of obsession or who have followed um, a a, a, a figurehead or an idea Mm -hmm. that led them into negative behaviors. But do you think that um, religious sort of fervor dedicated to the right sort of goals is an unhealthy... Do you think that religious dedication is always an unhealthy behavior? No, no I don't think that, that religious... Because in that case, right, like, if if you're a fanatic, a Marvel fanatic, right? Yeah. As long as you're not spending too, so money that you don't have to buy action figures, or you're not spending all of your time away from your family at movies, or you're doing... Right. But you have 
some sort of reverence, right, for the the concepts or the lessons that are being taught or these sorts of things. Is it a necessary, do we have to get defensive about it? Do we have to consider it a negative thing? No, I I don't think so. And I certainly don't think that people with religious dedication, I'm going to step carefully, I'm thinking of this as an excellent question, uh, are of uh, uh, automatically bad. I think that any religion, this is me, any, I'm not speaking for anything but me, any religious, religious dedication that denies, downplays, tries to destroy or remove the uh, human rights, the humanistic element, the human rights of any other person. That's where it's damaging. That's where it's uh, where it's, it goes into moral wrongness. That's where it's un- unethical. Right. And it, it's pretty plain to see how there are certain ideas or certain human figureheads in a cult setting that could lead you to that um, what conclusion. I think what's more difficult for people to see is that, for some people, I should say, is that that happens in a religious context, right? Because I think that this idea of God, of having the supernatural figurehead, it takes that responsibility out of the member's hands, right? You're, you're suddenly allowed to have positions and ideas and commit actions um, that would be morally reprehensible because there's a figure beyond humanity that is said to have a certain set of values that you ascribe to, right? Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. I think I think that we need a, a another word. We need a, a word that has a positive connotation that still talks about cult, <laughs> a positive connotation of okay. cult, right? Because I think that I think that there might be some healthy behaviors that are associated with i mean i think about myself right i i probably have a religious fervor for learning right and you know i i I pursue a lot of different things and do i get carried away (sighs) sometimes but i i can always come back to you know it just seems like the behavior in itself doesn't necessarily seem to be negative in a way that the word cult or fanatic has the constant negativity surrounded to it. The, the, the thesaurus suggests that agnostic hmm. is the antonym of cultish. Interesting. It is interesting. I had, I, I just did a quick glance. I hadn't, I'd, I, I think discipline, any tradition, any spiritual tradition that I've read of or encountered in whatever ways, uh, in some ways, has that element, the necessary element of discipline, of practice, where it becomes potentially dangerous is if the practice is so normalized that no thought is going into it. I practice yoga. I have for a long time. I, I practice inconsistently in the sense that I constantly find myself going into play, uh, running into things that are called in the practice samskara. Samskara has a double meaning. It can mean, uh, mean a rut, uh, a point that needs to be one needs to remove oneself on from, or a good practice, something that has become internalized. But in the negative connotation of samskara, as I've come to understand it, you just are doing the same thing and doing the same thing without giving attention to it. Well, I, I one of my friends uh, who's a pastor, and I've been fortunate and given who I am to have more than one, uh, uh, often uh, did his homilies on the idea of 
if you always do what you always did, you always are going to get what you always got. Well, my father used to say the same kind of thing, but ultimately it's true. If you don't think, reassess, ask the questions about where the practice is leading and why the practice is being done this way, and could it be done differently, and then it is meaningless except perhaps for whatever physical uh, development you can do. Yeah, I think that the discipline and the mindfulness portion of it is important because I think that the reason cult and fanaticism has an overwhelmingly universal almost negative connotation is because it violates a basic principle of living a good life, which is moderation in all things, right? Religious fervor requires you to go beyond moderation. It requires you to have an immersive, obsessive experience. And, and is- that can easily become a negative thing if you aren't being disciplined in the practice and being mindful of where you're going. This is why that's excellently said. And this is why fundamentalism is a word that crosses not only uh, discussions about certain brands or varieties of religion, but also uh, the the political result of such things. Hmm. Um, you know, there's this phrase that, that is often used of giving yourself to God, whatever people think that that means. But if in giving yourself to God, you are, and I've heard pastors discuss this too, as well as philosophy instructors, uh, what, if, if that means I, it's all up to God, then what you're saying is I am an automaton, a a materialized figure for carrying out whatever God tells me to do. Okay, we all have voices in our heads. And and, and if you are reading your particular sacred text and thinking about your practice, and, and that leads you to deeper and deeper um, calmness, or engagement with positive engagement with the world, then I think you, you you could say that that kind of discipline is is working. But if in giving yourself to God or a God, you are uh, relinquishing any responsibility for your act, saying, "Well, this is what God intended me to do, and I must do this." then that can lead you down other paths that aren't so Right. And I think that there's probably, you know, maybe not in our listener group, but worldwide, if people are listening to this podcast, I think there'd probably be about 50% of people that would say that giving yourself to God is a good thing Mm -hmm. because you're doing something greater than yourself. You're giving yourself something greater than yourself. And there's 50% of people that would say, you're crazy. Right? Probably. Well, so yeah, I think yeah. that that raises the question, you know, if we're looking again, coming back to re- religion and spirituality um, and looking at the driving force behind them, do you think that the driving force behind them is this search for something that's greater than us? Or do you think that spiritual or religious beliefs can exist within the context of just the human being without anything else? The spiritual context, yes. Perhaps the religious context, I'm I'm trying to begin to say this carefully, I'm trying to pull together years and years of you know, and I thought about I thought about our discussion. It's not like a willy nilly off the top of the head, but it's there's so many many discussions and readings involved in, in this. Um, a figure like Mother Teresa, pretty iconic and therefore recognizable, who stunned people with uh, the revelation uh, when they found out uh, that Mother Teresa said she had never heard the voice of God. Hmm. Um, was Mother Teresa an incredible figure of, of Catholic practice or religious 
remove the, I can't say you can remove the Catholic, but religious practice. Yes. Did she, did she try to do what we would call social good? I think that's arguably yes, but there, that's a very complicated story and there are not everyone it turned, it didn't turn out well for everybody. Um, but the fact of that, the fact that people can do a religious practice without ever encountering a directness from God and somebody at that level who everybody thinks that they recognize tells me that there's still ultimately the human element, ultimately the human act of helping other people can be read as godly or can be read as, of course, this is what we do as human beings. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you and I are talking about before the show about how your, your son who who's been on the show and talked about villains, um, (laughs) you know, was saying that we need to get past Darth Vader syndrome, which is this idea of somebody doing one good thing after a lifetime of evil and and being redeemed. Hmm. And it takes me back to being about six or seven years old and in Sunday school. And I had this old, uh, crotchety teacher with like this, (laughs) this crazy gray hair. Um, but he's a good guy. Uh, you know, and, um, I remember asking him, you know, at that age, uh, I said, well, Bob, if there's a really nice old lady that never believes in God, but she does the right thing her whole life and she dies, does she go to hell? And if somebody is a terrible person their whole life and then they they accept Jesus at the end, do they go to heaven? And he said, yeah. He said, but I think that there there's different levels. He said, you know, maybe, maybe the little old lady you know, just has a little bit of fire at her feet and it's, it's comfortable, right? He's talking to a seven year old, so, you know, he's trying to, so maybe it's a comfortable place, but she's eternally separated from God. Whereas this other guy that did these terrible things, he came to know the truth at the end. So he gets to go to, to some level of, of heaven. To me, that, that's a, that's a very interesting thought behind religion, right? Is this idea that just the belief in the supernatural deity is enough to separate you from one place or the other. There are some interpret, and that is, it's very interesting, but there's some, it's a Pascal's wager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're not sure, well, you might as well just if it, it's, say that you believe because maybe better, better things will happen. I think there are a lot of branches of Christian, uh, Muslim <laughs> practice, I, 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 I probably have the big three <laughs> in the Western context um, that would say, nah, it's got to be more than just saying, yeah, count me in. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, um, but, but it is the, this redemption thing um, that is so much part of the narrative. And I'm not making light of it by calling it the redemption thing. I just, it's, you know, it's, um, can a person be redeemed? Well, the sacred texts are filled with stories of people who are, who did horrific things, murdered people and so on, but ultimately saw the lights and, and changed the practice of their lives. Well, I think people can change the practice of their lives, of course. Um, I, I, I think that the idea of a scale of balance such as you might get in, in some other uh, Egyptian iconography. Um, it's just a little too, I don't want to say cute, but a little too human serving because you can't get away from human iconography because how else are we going to, the human mind and heart are going to try to interpret these things. So yeah, did I do enough good stuff that the bad stuff is balanced out? If I'm in balance, then I get to go to the field of reeds. Um, if not, then I'm going to be doomed the way any particular religion likes to doom people. Uh, that doesn't work for me, <laughs> you know, I, 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 personally, because there are, there's just a small amount of life, and eternity is yeah, forever. Yeah, it, it creates a, an interesting contest context for this question though of the driving force behind spiritual or religious beliefs because um if there was no hell right um 
you could make like with Pascal's wager, right? You could make the argument that hell is a driving force for religious affiliation. Yeah. Which an interesting tidbit is that hell itself isn't even really mentioned in the Old Testament. Yeah. And and biblical scholars Cambridge and so on, I know the intellectual elite, the, the committed Christian scholars who have traced hell back to Gehenna, which is a place where trash was always burning far outside the city of Jerusalem, and bodies were taken there too. To be, and that gets transferred into the, the the symbol system. Right now, there's one explanation, but it works for me because humans do all kinds of things with words. So yeah, if the motivation, if the motivation is fear, I don't like anything that motivates people by fear. So, yeah. So if we're looking at it, right? Yeah. Does spirituality and religion have the same driving forces behind them? Well, what, let's, let's uh, take off the driving forces. If, if the driving force is an emotion such as fear, um, I suppose so. Although I, I think it would be hard to be spiritual if you're always looking over your shoulder to see if if you were balancing those scales yeah my inclination would be that if they if they share a driving force it would be that there's something greater than the material self i think that that and again this is you know not off the cuff i've thought about it a lot but in this moment that's really the one thing that i think would unify the two concepts right Th- that they would share in common as a driving force would yeah. be that spiritual beliefs or the various types of religious beliefs all seem to have in common the hope at least and the belief at most that there is something greater than just my physical body here right yeah yeah and humanistically I think I have to say that um, while it would be, and if, if there's something beyond this, I, I'm either going to see it or, or not. I can't belabor myself now with what that's, there's enough to take care of now. But if we have experiences internally that make us think and feel freshly. I think that in itself can be spiritual, whether there's any organized set of next steps and principles uh, beyond one life. Yeah. Yeah. You and I were talking about this before the show, just various um, experiences that um, we don't have the scientific instrumentation to really study, but we have enough um, sort of anecdotal evidence to know that there's something to, um, and the ones we were specifically talking about before the show were near-death experiences or um, uh, psychedelic experiences, these sort of fascinating psychological instances of people um, achieving this sort of perspective or insight that allows them to what they they believe leads them outside of their physical body, right? Yeah. And it it really is just a fascinating sort of sort of topic. Do you think do you think that that's where spiritual and religious beliefs originally came from? Is these kinds of experiences? That's an interesting question. I I I think that. They perhaps contribute to it, but there are plenty of people who've been near death and haven't had, you know, I have to say that too. It's, if, if one were going to count that as the measure, then there are a lot of people who, then there's nothing after. And I think, okay, all right, really we're going to go into this abacus of, oh, you're over here and you're over here because that's, why, why not? That's the way we spend our entire lives politically, socially, and everything else. You either belong or you don't belong. You're going to go here or you're going to go there. I know that because I'm telling you that because, you know, I think that the personal experience going to your question is what leads 
to the potential for the real um, engagement with religion or engagement with the spiritual, um, whatever one conceives the spiritual to be, because ultimately that is going to be personal. We cannot, we can tell each other through poetry, through painting, through music, through dialogue, what the spiritual is like, but we can't tell each other what the spiritual is. Yeah. And again, this touches on, you know, parts of the previous conversation where we were talking about how, um, you know, religious fervor violates that basic human um, sort of assumption that things are good in moderation, right? Religion, religious fervor requires you to, to delve into something immersively. And you really can't have good music or good art or good poetry if you don't do that thing. And that's why there, there is sort of a positive, it's not always negative. Um, but when we think about how, how these things emerged originally, right? How did, how did spiritual beliefs arise in ancient times? How did religion arise in ancient times, right? Do you think it comes from a, a dream or eating the wrong type of berries or mushrooms or, <laughs> you know, or having, where do you think that these sorts of all experiences of, are believed? All of the from? above, my friend. I don't, I don't think that there is one origin story. And I think, and, the, and the, the, my basis for that is all of the origin stories for the human species itself across the planet in indigenous cultures and across the world there are as many creation stories cosmological stories that there's as uh, and and generation stories as there are cultures and i think the same is true for the spiritual experience for some perhaps the 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 help to get there um for some the the, the dream uh, for some the looking at the world and saying it just must mean something. Mm. And we talked about meaning in one of our episodes. And, and, and I think m many of us have l had a moment in nature. We're always in nature, by the way. We're talking about <laughs> nature, but, but, but we've had a moment where we've looked at the stars or listened to the water, whatever it happens to be. And, and uh, yeah, there's, there's just, this bigger thing that I'm part of, this this planet, that's spiritual enough. Maybe there's even more, but wow, yeah. And that's where that's where philosophy is interesting, right? Is that um, you know people, some people have a, a religious fervor for science, right? That that's that's kind of the be all end all. But if you look at the world, right, and like you just said, every part of the world has creation stories. It's very unlikely that one creation story developed with the first humans, and then as they spread out, it just sort of adapted and everybody had their own. It's much more likely that people throughout the world independently developed creation stories, right? Or religious beliefs. Or, you know, and like we were talking about, these out of, you know, these experiences beyond yourself, whether it's um, just engaging in mindfulness yoga practices or ingesting the wrong substance or having a, a, a crazy dream or, or something. But it's a it's sort of a shared experience worldwide that sort of developed independently, right? Yeah. And so even if you don't have a way of scientifically analyzing or measuring this sort of thing, it makes you go, hmm, right? Kind of like when scientists keep seeing that crabs Things keep evolving into crabs, right? <laughs> well, hmm, why why does that keep happening, right? It's it it just just watch me in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> it stokes this curiosity, right? So, I think that you know it 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 raises a few interesting questions. I think that for religion, one would be: Do you think the rise of religion is? just a way of bringing consistency and community to spiritual beliefs i think it's a way of it's an excellent question i think the way of the rise of religion the consistency part yes 
the community part, some. But that depends upon how the religious structure, the architecture, so to speak, metaphorically, as well as you know, figure, literally, but the, the metaphorical architecture of the religion as it accrues, as it grows, as all things in capitalism do, as it just gets more and more complicated, um, that excises other people. Well, we create a community but only if you believe what you're supposed to believe can you be in that community, or at least everyone's sort of pretending to believe what they're supposed to believe so they really can have community. You see, and I think that that happens too. I think there are a lot of people who are, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but are are playing the game in a sense so that they can feel a belonging and have help when they can't get things accomplished themselves. Uh, religion is a social safety net for many people, and thus a social service that, uh, that uh, I think governments like to uh, stroke because then it means the government has to spend less money on some social services. And that can create messiness, and that can create exclusivity, those are the downsides that I see. The upside is sure there's a community. I had an experience with my, with my, uh, with my young family when, uh, they met an incredibly interestingly kind and decent, uh, people, uh, beyond their immediate family, elder people, people of middle age who were interested in them. And I will be forever grateful for that. But at the same time, the moment you examine what the beliefs were required to be according to the principles of the church, um, righteously, I should have walked out the door and eventually did. And not because of the people, but because of what one was required to believe if one was going to belong in a formal sense to the church. And these were anathema to, to my sense of social justice and, and equality for people. And so, you know, there's the community level, and, and this is not for all situations, but, but there's the community level, and then there's the, the formal rules practice, where the exclusivity begins to happen, where the pressure begins to happen. Well, you must believe this if you're going to stay with us. Must I? Okay. That takes us back to the United, by the way. <laughs> if I get to be part of the United States, what is it that I must believe? If I'm going to be part of X religion, what is it that I must believe? I think that's where it intrudes in the spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Or can. Not necessarily, but can. Right. Yeah. No, I think that, um, again, looking at a consistency and community. Community, you know, I think of there's almost another word for community it's tribe right mm -hmm. and that's kind of that's tribalism a word, has yeah. a negative connotation community has a positive one right um but it's it's sort of two two sides of the same coin and spiritual beliefs right spirituality does not require the community element no um and yeah that I took us into a corner, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting towards the end anyways. Um, but no, it's just, again, still trying to, looking at these things, parsing them apart, and, and thinking about, you know, I, I, to me, it always comes back to the, uh, the initial motivators, right? Those are the things that are interesting. What, it, what is the prime mover of these things, right? Right, right. And yeah. I think with a lot of human development, the the prime motivator is something that has to do with community, something that has to do with with tribalism. Um, that's sort of the development. That's that's the hallmark of our species is this ability yeah. to work together, to cooperate, to form groups, mm -hmm. which leads to both positive and, and negative um, consequences. But spirituality um, is, is something that it can exist outside of that. And it seems to be um, 
it seems to be a very high-level cognitive pursuit to exist individually, right? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, religion, a religion, right? That takes a lot of it takes a lot of effort to 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 establish a doctrine and establish customs and practices and, and to do these things and to keep everybody, like you said, and to monitor these beliefs. Spiritualism um, is something that's going to vary from, from person to person, but there are things that are, that remain consistent across people, you know, and, and really what we, like what we said earlier, it's probably this, this drive to believe that there's something greater than just our material self. This is, you know, I'll, 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 We'll end my part with this and let you finish. But I, this is why I won't say the religious fervor of the science. Science is, and, and, and I take, I, I totally take the meaning that you would use earlier. Science is not a religion because science, uh, unless it gets perverted in the sense, of because it's science has, does not have. The answers are all of them seeks them. Science does not start from the position of this is what you must believe. Science, science starts with these are the things that we can empirically present. Now, where does that lead us? Mm. Religion starts with this is so, and therefore you can't be part unless you accept this. And, uh, and so there, there, there's a difference there, and that's why, that's why I think that people in a religious community find their own spirituality independent, as you said, of sometimes independent of the religious structure, or in spite of the religious structure, because something in them rebels at the enormity of the ideological requirement. And says, no, I don't have to believe that in order to develop whatever this thing is that's, that's my soul. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that's a good place to end. And just, I know that we're going to, we're going to talk about this again as, as we come up with things. Cause I, I have questions still going through my mind thinking about, you know, well, where does that impetus arise from? Right. Where do, where does that individual, um, why Desire. do we intuit that something's there? Why do we want to believe something yeah, is there? Yeah. Is it as simple as we just don't want to accept that in, in X number of years we're done? Yeah, and you I know? guess that that would be you know that would be sort of the prime question, right? Is that is is our spiritual ideations unique to human consciousness? Hmm. I would assume probably so. And now, you know, that raises the question: Is the knowledge of death? the impetus for spiritual and religious ideations, right? We don't know, but it seems unlikely that other animals are aware of their impending death. Humans are, right? And I think that that knowledge, that insight, very well could be part of that. There's a whole branch of, of religious studies, of the study of religion, it's called eschatology. Eschatology is uh, the study of how different groups of people, how different religions, how different belief systems, um, what do they set up towards the idea of death? What are the practices, the traditions, the procedures, and therefore the assumptions? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've read some some interesting ones, and this is something that that's not uniform from religion to religion. There are some there's some practices around death that would that would are would be abhorrent to a western um observer but yeah it it again as we always do we've raised more questions than we have <laughs> answers but that's what gives us um you know fuel for our future conversations as we continue to tie things in and and make new pathways into um philosophical discussions so until next time keep on 